Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. And as ever, I am Toby Tarrant and I am joined by ex-England fast bowler and maybe future England fast bowler. I've not given up on him, even if he's given up on himself, Mr. Stephen Finn. And national treasure and housewives favourite. The sort of drinking housewives, Jonathan Agnew, Mr. Daniel Norcross is here as well. Uh, Finney, how are you, sir? How, how's we haven't? You know what, Finney? I apologise, mate. We haven't checked in on your injury the last couple of weeks. How are you, Finney? Are you recovering okay? Yeah, I'm recovering okay. I've got another meeting with the knee surgeon on Thursday this week, and that will determine what's going to happen for the last month of the season. I think so. Yeah, I'm fine. Just patiently waiting, spending a lot of time with Dan, um, both in the commentary box and out. And yeah, it's been it's been a rather quiet week but a fun week well i think that's the nicest thing he's ever said about you dan he said that spending time with you was quiet and fun which are the two words i've never associated with you normally you're loud and you bore everyone to fucking tears yeah i know i don't know he just brings out the best of me i suppose it was uh it was lovely to see his oh his cherubic features and his and his lovely smiling fizzog he's he's a very upbeat man when he's not around you actually it's um it's lovely to watch you get to see the other side of Finney and um and I think you know similarly I'm a lot more laid back we just sort of you know had the old game of backgammon went to bed about half 10 and uh talked a lot about you know the things that really matter like love and friendship and uh, community and all those kind of things it was just nice to bond in that way wasn't it Finney? Absolutely yeah yeah we yeah. um we went about just getting to know each other a lot better. So it's it's a bond that we can take onto the podcast. It's just a real shame that you weren't there, Toby. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sad I missed it. Um, in fact, that there were several tweets this week, actually, because you guys have been in the commentary box together. Several tweets from Zero Ducks, given listeners, pointing out that actually, Finney, you do seem much, much happier without me. When it's just you and Dan on the, on the commentary box, you seem to be getting along famously. 
lots of laughter, lots mm. of mirth. And um, and then whenever you come on this podcast and I'm here, quite miserable, quite abusive, quite rude, um, quite aggressive. Um, and it is starting to get me down because really when you look at it, it's very simple that I'm the common denominator here. Is is there something I could work on in the future? Okay. Yeah, just don't ever turn up to this podcast again. Maybe okay, that'd, that'd probably be a good start. Okay, good. Well, we'll do. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, I mean, I know where Finney's coming from. Believe you me. I mean, we've talked about it constantly, really, for the last five days or two of us. But um, I, I, I think there's still a way to, um, I don't know. To get rid of some of that bitterness and resentment, uh, the anger, the fury and the cynicism that blights your life, Toby. I mean, Finney mm. made a good point. He said, you know, you're nearly, we don't know, you You look about 40, but you, you're probably actually 30. But mm. that's sort of part of the problem, isn't it? You, mm. I mean, you wouldn't look like that at your age if it wasn't for the festering sores of resentment mm. that uh, blight like cankers and buboes your mm. uh, entire body. Fistulas, well, and we need to do something about that. No, you're, you're right. I, you know, I'm actually getting married for the first time in a couple of weeks, but I look like a man who's been divorced four times and is quite bitter at the world. So I'll go away and I'll I'll try and work on some things, and then hopefully, um, you know, in the next few years, if I improve, we could um we could all hang out together and it can, could be fun. But um, yeah, I baby, won't baby steps, ba- ba- baby yeah, steps. let's not get steps. carried away. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Now, Daniel, um, a, a slight change of tack, but you forgot your pants. Talk to me about your yes. pants. It was, a, it was a bad. It was a bad feeling, uh, and I mean, a really, a really uniquely bad feeling because obviously, you know, people very helpfully said Manchester's a city, which, which, where you can buy pants, but that's not what's going through your mind at five thirty-five in Macclesfield, mm. because it came to me strangely enough when i was just sitting there reading jeffrey boycott's book uh, which is a it's a really good book by the way it's absolutely brilliant uh, the latest one with john Horton. i heartily recommend it it's superb it's like the damned united but but dare i say better anyway um i was coming into macclesfield and weirdly what popped into my head while reading a, a scene from the book which was totally unrelated was i can't remember packing any pants and a problem i then had was I don't know where to buy pants in Manchester while knowing that pants are available. But I also, this was a train without a refreshments trolley. So I hadn't had a drink and it was coming up to 5.30. And the idea was I'd meet up with the crew, you know, and, and have a game of backgammon and a, and, a, and a bit of wine and then go get an early night. So I wanted to go straight to the hotel. So I asked Eleanor Oldroyd where I could buy emergency pants in Salford, in Media City because that's where she works a lot. And she directed me to, uh, oh, I can say it because it's not on the BBC, to Marks and Spencers. So I check them out, and they close at six. So I instantly ring Zoltz and ask him if he can rush to Marks and Spencers and buy me pants. In the doing of that, I realised that if anybody had said to me, can I buy them some pants, I I would have been really weirded out by it. But what Zoltz actually did was he said, well, I can lend you a pair. Now, I don't know about you boys, but to me, that can't be done. Essentially, all pants come with a cock memory, mm. a bit like the Turin Shroud. They are moulded and they, they are part of the existence of the groin of, of the man or woman who has worn them. And I, I can't get away from that. Like, if I wore Zoltz's pants, I would just feel the ghostly shade of his cock swinging around inside mm. my own groin. And it was lovely of him to offer, but it was impossible to accept. 
So when it became clear that what Zoltz was effectively saying was, I'd do anything rather than leave the comfort of my hotel room right now to go 10 minutes to a shop that may or may not be open by the time I get there to buy an unspecified number of pants for someone, which was an unreasonable request on my part. I realised I had to bite the bullet and just I just walked. I just came out of the railway station and walked until I found a shop that might sell pants. And lo and behold, there was Primark. But Primark has a dizzying array of pants. Have you seen how many fucking pants they've got? They come in. I didn't realise that there were so many different styles of pant. You know, a child, there was a Y front with a very small green stain on the front after a hard day at junior school. And then you discovered the boxer shorts bought for you by your first girlfriend who was disgusted by the Y fronts, stuck with the boxer shorts from the age of 15 to now. So then, you know, let's go, God, there's stretchy this, there's stretchy that, there's stuff that comes a little way down your thigh, there's pingy stuff, there's... Well, what there wasn't was purely cotton boxer shorts. There was cotton-rich boxer shorts. Now, cotton-rich, that is sounding an alarm bell to me. But that was the nearest thing to cotton I could actually get. I mean, if it's cotton, it's not cotton rich, is it? It's cotton, surely. So I got two packets of three cotton rich boxer shorts. And I have to tell you, they did not, I did not reach an accommodation with them. They do not yet have my cock memory. They are, I'm afraid, still sort of riding around a bit, you know, trying to find precisely where to sit around the congruence of scrotum and, um, Arse and uh, cock. <laughs> Vinny, when you agreed to do this podcast, was this what you were hoping for? That we'd be sat here talking about Dan Norcross's entire genitalia? Well, what is it? A six minute monologue about Dan Norcross's penis? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> no, I didn't envisage that, to be quite frank. It's not about my penis, it's about penises generally. No, it was very no, specifically specifically about your penis. Well, it ended up being about mine, I know, and I apologise to everybody for that. But, you know, this is a generalisation about penises in general, in Ray, their interaction with pants. Now, Finney, as a professional cricketer, I've always imagined that changing rooms are just, I mean, an absolute pigsty during a test match especially. Surely, have, have you ever gone out to bat and realised you haven't got a bit of kit on or been about to go out to bat next and realised you haven't got any pants or any bits of kit missing? No, but talking of pants in dressing rooms, I remember the Rowjex trick that people used to play on people in um, in club cricket dressing rooms and it just made me think of a poor fella called Warren Barrett who I used to play with at Langdebury Cricket Club and they Rowjexed his boxer shorts um, and it hurt so much when he put them on and for the next period of time that he threw his phone through the wall in the dressing room and then had to pay for the repair. <laughs> Why did he think that that would help? <laughs> I, it was more just a release of aggression, um, uh, and he had his phone close to him and he just threw it straight through the, um, the, the, the wall that was just a partition wall. Oh, wow. So you could then see into the opposition dressing room after that, so it was handy. <laughs> that must have been, A, quite a... Quite a... Big, hard phone, and a really good throw. Was he? I was going to say, you, well, this would have been fifteen years ago. So you're talking about like brick phones, brick, Nokia right. thirty two ten mm. style things. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Wow. Well, I suppose. I mean, get him out on the boundary. Hell of an arm. There's no two to him with that. With that throw, I was playing a charity cricket match for Lord Staveners where Devon Malcolm turned up about two minutes before we walked out to play at Windsor Castle in front of Prince Philip. Devin Malcolm, who was captaining us that day, turned oh, on went, Prince oh. Andrew turned up to the game I played there. Really? What, at, at Windsor yeah. Castle? Well, yeah, via Pizza Express. 
<laughs> was he was he sweating at all? Can you corroborate? Okay, it was a hot day actually. And he was dry as a bone. Well, it's hard to remember actually now, but I can <laughs> consult photos that I took on the day. <laughs> you might this, be called. This up. could blow the whole I case. Up. I was going to say, you've got evidence on the phone. The FBI needs some people to come forward and corroborate. This could be huge. What a bombshell! I'm just going to go through it now. Oh, it'd be wonderful if I turned on the TV this time next week and it's just Finney sat opposite Emily Maitlis getting a grilling. <laughs> <laughs> well, Devin Malcolm turned around about two minutes before we were about to go out and take a photo in front of Prince Philip and went, oh, shit, I forgot my bowling spikes. Has anybody got any size 15s? No, no Devin. Weirdly, nobody's got any spare fi- size Apart 15s. Apart from Prince Philip, as it turned Apart out. From Prince Philip, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Weirdly, weirdly. Um, anyway. Enough Prince Andrew chats. Although, Finny, if you do find this photo of Prince Andrew, this could be this could be huge. Explosive. Well, the only other person... Don't share it with the WhatsApp cr- group. Don't share it with the WhatsApp group because then they're, they're, suddenly there'll be people just at my door, won't they? There'll be plain yeah. clothes, MI5 types. Because yeah, blo- presumably, yeah, blo- that's, unlike, and that's national security, isn't it? Sure. Well, the only there is a cricket link here because the only other person who doesn't sweat is Alistair Cook. Oh, hello. So we can bring it loosely back to cricket. Is that true, Finney? The rumour was that Alistair Cook just didn't sweat and that's why he could bat. Yeah. Mm. yeah he Did he really not doesn't sweat? sweat. What, yeah, like... doesn't sweat at all. But isn't, isn't that, that like bad for you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it feels like it wouldn't be that healthy for you. But yeah, he definitely didn't sweat. That's why he was always the ball manager. Um, when you're playing games, he'd always be the one who was the only one who's allowed to touch the ball. Because he didn't sweat. Oh, that'd be well annoying. I always feel like whoever gets the job shining the ball, that's such a boring task. Oh, do you reckon it's Prince have... Andrew um, photos on my laptop, unfortunately. Oh, God. Well, that's all right. Yeah. You, can, you can you can find it and send it through. It follows oh, you. That'd up. be lovely. We, we should but bury that just, laptop just, at the bottom of the ocean. Just on the, just on the subject of, of not sweating, so did he not drink either? Because how did he lose any fluids? He'd have little, like, rabbit sips of water. When he batted, rabbit sips, bizarre wow. little tiny little rabbit sips. Yeah, regardless just take of a how tiny hot little it was. sip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd just be it'd be in Perth. It'd be like forty degrees. Everyone's like everyone else would be dying. Yeah, yeah, looking like they've come out of a, a Welsh mine in nineteen sixty-eight, and he's just pristine with perfect hair, strong just jawline, strong jawline, getting a, a getting a and having a tiny little sip of water. Was he still? He must have still been roasting hot. He just wasn't sweating, or did he? Yeah, must have been even more so. hot, even more yeah. hot because the sweat's supposed to cool you down. Surely, surely, a, a, a miracle. A, Maybe a, a, he's a, a lizard. Marvel. He could be a because li- lizards don't sweat, do they? Do you know what that explains everything? The royal family of lizards, and that's why none of them are sweaty. Do you know we have blown this case wide open today? Well done, team. Mm. <laughs> what if are we going to do about it though do we, do we need to tell the authorities or do we just like lie low and see how it plays out over the next hundred years I'm sure they listen anyway tweet at Zero Ducks Pod or message us on Instagram at Zero Ducks Pod if there's any other big topics you'd like us like us to cover in the coming weeks the moon landings all the big stuff um, just leave it with us and we'll and we'll cast our eye over it right we should have David Icon next week oh that'd be Talk good about the test yeah oh okay. Yeah, good point, because we're thinking about getting somebody with a keen interest in South African cricket. I can't think of anyone more appropriate than David Icke. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he'd be fascinating. I reckon he'd have an excellent opinion on why South Africa chose two spinners in this test match. I think he'd, he'd, be, I think he'd be brilliant. <laughs>
Right. Let me get on to let me get on to the uh, England South Africa <laughs> Test match. <laughs> but you know I, that that conversation we went from Dan Norcross's cock and balls to David Ike very quickly there, and it was a hell of a transition. I didn't even Natural see the transition. Segue. And then here we are. Uh, right, England versus South Africa. Believe it or not, this is a cricket podcast. England versus South Africa. Um, England absolutely battered South Africa in the second test. And, uh, well, it wasn't very basball-y, but it was bloody good. They won by an innings and 85 runs. There's only one man to talk about initially, and that is Mr. Ben Stokes. And, I mean, if there is anyone in the England setup that is a lizard, it's him, because he's certainly not human sometimes. He, despite seemingly having one knee at times this summer, bowled magnificently and took four wickets in the match. And uh, he also scored a stunning 100. And it was a different 100. Everyone's been talking about his style of batting this summer, but he was very measured initially. And then he had some fun and then he played some shots and he finished on a 103 runs off 163 balls eventually. Um, It's the biggest cliche in the world, Finney, but he is just one of those blokes his statistics at the end of his career won't necessarily show that he was, you know, Jacques Callis as an all-rounder. But the number of test matches he has single-handedly won for England, the one for his country, is right up there. He just seems to almost need something to get him going, something to motivate him. He needs the chips to be down to play his best cricket. Or he needs to lose the toss and South Africa make a terrible decision at the toss and get bowled out for 150. <laughs> that helps. Which, in that case... If he's as a lizard and infesting people's minds to make Dean Elgar make that decision at the toss, then fair enough. But I'd say that's probably the single most thing that won England this test match, aside from Ben Stokes and Ben Folks, who played magnificently and, and looked Robinson whilst he was doing Jimmy it. Anderson and yeah, you know, really aside from all those great cricketers that, yeah. that had good weeks. Yeah, um, yeah, Ben Stokes played his part. But I think uh, as a captain, yeah, he's talismanic, isn't he? I suppose when you look at that spell that he bowled, 14 overs to the second new ball in England's or in South Africa's second innings when things were drifting. And he said in his post-match press conference that he knew that the second new ball was important, so he didn't want to put overs into the bowler's legs. So he just took it upon himself to bowl a 14-over spell until they got to the second new ball. I think it's things like that that will go missed within the statistics of Ben Stokes' career. And they're the things that people will only remember if you were actually watching the games when you look back at it. It was totally extraordinary, Toby. I mean, we were on commentary together. And when you're doing highlights, you're sort of trying to find something that you can give to the producer that, that he's going to use. And so you go, this is the 10th, uh, Stokes 10th over in his spell. It'll surely have to be his last, just counting down now to the new ball. And then it'd start the 11th over his spell and then the 12th and then the 13th. So you have to say it each time, basically, because you're going, what, what you were watching was something utterly Herculean. And in a sense, it was probably unnecessary because England were going to win that game, I think, anyway, because of South Africa's tactics. You talk about Basball, their total failure to embrace anything even close to Basball was really silly, really. I mean, that partnership between Van der Dusen and he couldn't go Burko because his finger was busted and he's out of the series. But Keegan Peterson at the other end didn't at any stage attempt to attack Jack Leach. Jack Leach's a very good bowler, but he bowled 15 overs for 16 runs with an old ball. And we've all seen how the ball after 40 overs old gets a bit crap. Now, England, in the same situation, attempted to counter-attack it. They came unstuck, they got bowled out, they lost by an innings and 12. South Africa didn't attempt anything and they came unstuck. Lost by an innings and 81. 
They didn't even try to shift the momentum. And Stokes bowling throughout that, that period was magnificent to watch. But he probably could have stopped four overs earlier and put Joe Root on, you know, like every other captain's done. But he's not going to do what every other captain does. It's absolutely marvellous to watch. That's the essence of it. Basball isn't one thing. It's it's the positive option at all times. And he and he takes it, takes that the right option. He looked at the, the wicket and he realised that Jack Leach, it may have been turning, but the ball is so crap that somebody bowling at Jack Leach's pace with the amount of turn they can get on that surface wasn't wasn't going to take loads of wickets because the balls are rubbish. I mean, I cannot emphasise enough. Finney, I hope, will back me up on this. Every bowler, everybody you talk to, Anderson, broad throughout the test match, there's an understanding that once it gets to 40 overs old, well, you know, you just got to, you just got to trust the luck to get a wicket. It may or may not come, and then you bowl for the for the new ball. But Stokes decided I'll bowl I'll bowl fourteen of the last twenty eight overs before the new ball, and he picked he bowled actually one of the balls of the match, didn't he, to get rid of Peterson, the one that exploded. How he got an orange to explode off a pitch, I do not know, but he managed to make it happen. It was it was startling. Yeah, it was it was an amazing spell of bowling, and I think. Stokes likes being that guy as well. We see it all the time. You saw it last summer when he went off of his own bowling, herring after that ball that was heading to the boundary to pull it back inside the rope to save one run. And we've seen him bowl these long spells before. And even in his hundred, he jarred his knee early on. But I think he likes people knowing that he gives a shit and he wants to give 110% and he cares. And Flintoff used to do the same. Flintoff used to bowl himself into the ground, but he he wanted people to see him bowling himself into the ground because it showed how much he cared about pulling on that English shirt. Do you, not, um, do, you, do you think, Finney uh, and Toby, that the jarring of the knee was quite an interesting thing in his 103? Because, although that does rhyme, because he he batted, he didn't come charging down the wicket in that innings, and he did exactly the same thing at Trent Bridge. He batted, he played second fiddle, really, to Johnny Bairstow at Trent Bridge when he jarred his knee. And I just wondered if it may have just affected his mobility and forced him to play more balls from the crease. Potentially, yeah. I mean, he um, he certainly expanded didn't he as he went on and whether that was because of his knee or not um, I'm not entirely sure it was a nicely paced innings I thought all the way through it to be able to weather that storm at the beginning was very unbasball like I suppose the way that they went about it at the beginning of the innings but it was impressive and showed a willingness and ability to adapt by them Um, and yeah his knee his knee's a funny one because sometimes it locks and he looks in absolute agony um and then he does just come out and bowl a 14 over spell so it's um, it's hard to make rhyme or reason as to why or how he's possible to do that um and, and i probably need to tap him up to understand how i can do it with my knee as well yeah he said himself he goes sometimes he thinks it looks worse than it feels and he promises it's not as it's not as terrible as it looks but it looks absolutely awful sometimes and um, now another person that returned and another man who's had question marks over his fitness in the last couple of years is uh ollie robinson and he reminded everyone that he's really bloody good. We've talked about that ridiculously high release point that he bowls with and that merciless length that he bowls to batsmen, just constantly, constantly asking questions of them. Um, he said in an interview after the test match, Finney, that he's become a gym freak is how he describes it and how he used to find the gym work a bit of a chore, but it's become a bit of a routine with his injury and stuff. I mean, he kind of had to say that after a few question marks about his uh, his fitness and commitment to fitness over the last couple of months or so. What, what was your relationship or is your relationship with the gym, Finney? What, what, throughout your career, you don't strike me as a as a Chris Tremlett. 
Well, no, no. Have you seen the size of him? <laughs> you seen the size? He's a fucking monster. Um, no, I'm not a Chris Tremler, but I go to the gym and do the necessary um, exercises that mean that I can stay on the field for a majority of the time. You learn to find what works for you and also whether it's running or cycling or whatever that keeps you fit and keeps you able to bowl long spells and, and keep backing up throughout the day. So, yeah, as you get older, you learn to understand what works for you more. I've probably done more gym work in the last 12 months than, than I have done ever before, but I've spent quite a bit of time injured in the last 12 months. So I've had no choice really. But yeah, you learn what works for you and then you find it and and you manage to keep yourself fit and ticking over. And it looks as though Wally Robinson has found that. What about sort of Pilates and yoga? Because isn't Jimmy Anderson, isn't he just Pilates? That's all he does now, basically. And it seems to work quite well for him. Yeah, yeah. I think, again, it's whatever works for the individual. I mean, Jimmy is unbelievably fit and supremely fit. Um, I think he's changed his diet a lot. He spoke about it in the press over the last few years to keep going and to keep having the energy to keep going back to the well, which you need to do as a fast bowler. And yeah, maybe a bit of Pilates. I mean, I tried yoga for a little while. It was fine. I just became too skinny and not strong enough and it didn't work for me. But whatever Jimmy Anderson is doing at the moment, it seems to be working. I'd imagine that's a sight. Stephen Finn doing yoga. God, I bet that must look, it must look like a clothes horse that's been broken and left by a skip. <laughs> you see, this is, I mean, this is the thing, Toby. I mean, and, and this, I guess, is what Finney and I were talking about. Right, Manchester. sorry. Yep. You know, and look, look, it's, 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 you can choose to change or not. It's entirely up to you. I think, um, I think, what I, I, want to, I, think what I, want, I might get yes. what you're saying because, oh, so just because I want to learn. So just if you can talk me through this. So are you saying that I shouldn't have compared Finney doing yoga to a clothes horse that's been broken and left by a skip? I, I, yeah. I mean, okay. Uh, the fact that you have to ask that question is also, it's I think, part of the problem. It's yeah. a worry. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, no, look, I want to learn. So please, just pull me up a bit. Go and have a look in the mirror. But what you look back at is actually going to frighten you because I'm looking at it right now and it's really? it's not great. Yeah. Okay. It's no, not great. Big forehead. Finney, yeah. we, we, talk, we talked about this. It, tough love doesn't work with him. I don't. Well, I don't think it does. You've tried no, it quite okay, a lot. Yeah. We need to just take the high road now. Yeah, I understand. I I mean, if you throw a couple of them in every now and then, because I know how frustrated you get by him. So, Mm. look, I'm not going to have a go if you do that, but I'm just saying, broadly speaking, let's try and stick to the plan. Okay, fine. All right. Okay, so no, what I was going to say about Ollie Robbins is that it's actually extremely refreshing that he has said that about the gym and acknowledged that that was the issue because it was becoming quite frustrating, I think, for everybody watching on. Um, you don't want to fat shame anyone. That is, ab- you know, you don't want to body shame anybody. None of that is a good thing. But when an elite athlete who is opening the bowling at all bowling first change for England, when their speeds are down to 76, 75 miles an hour and they're getting back spasms and they're lumbering around a bit and they're lacking mobility, then it's very difficult for people not to spot that. Uh, and and see it and think that it may be a part of the problem. And it sounds like he was spoken to about that. Now, I'm not sure that that wasn't a consequence, perhaps, of playing in on the county treadmill. You know, I mean, being part of the England setup gives you an opportunity to address specific things, doesn't it? In a way that if you're playing county cricket week in, week out, then you probably don't get that time and you're going from match to match. And, um, you know, that's that's 
there might be many other county cricketers who could have massively have benefited from being inside the England setup and getting the opportunity to go in the gym for three months and get leaner and fitter. He's he's five miles an hour fast. He was bowling some balls at eighty six. His averages were about eighty three, eighty four. And even when he was bowling well last summer, and very well, very impressive, but it was seventy eight, seventy nine was the average. So you know the benefit is fantastic, and it's like getting a whole new bowler actually. Like a, a better, even better version of the one last year that was fantastic and was one of Wisdom's five cricketers of the year. Yeah, completely. So, no. Because that pace, although it's not lightning, with that steep bounce and that length that he bowls, it will feel a, a little bit quicker than that. Will come on to people. Finney, did you? Um, because I, I heard Dom Sibley talk about it when he broke into England team that he he brought it upon himself to get fit, and I think he said the words embarrassed. He said he sort of looked around at how fit everyone in the changing room was, and he was a bit embarrassed about how much fitter everyone was than him. When you first got the England fold, was did you notice it straight away that bloody hell these blokes are did you notice a massive leap in the like sort of fitness standards expected from county level? No, I wouldn't say so. No, I think you'd be surprised at how fit a lot of the guys in the in county cricket are, especially the younger guys. The 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 young guys are machines at the moment coming through the academies and into county cricket. So no, I, and also I was a bowler. I was a bowler who relied on my pace and my athleticism to um, help me do what I what I did back then as well. So, yeah, I, I didn't feel undercooked when I got into the England dressing room. Was there a big uptick? Probably, what is it, 13 years ago now, 12, 13 years ago, there wasn't that big an uptick, but there almost certainly is now. And, and those guys in the England dressing room are seriously, seriously fit to be able to play the amount of cricket that they have to throughout a calendar year and it's great to see Ollie Robinson bowling those paces and maintaining them through the test match yeah I'd imagine when you walk into that dressing room and you see Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad in there and how long they've gone as well if that doesn't inspire you to to want to keep fit and try and play as much test cricket as you possibly can then I don't think anything will and we mentioned in passing but another player that I want to talk about specifically not just because he's so good looking is Ben Folks. I mean Sometimes I forget how sexy he is. And then he took off his helmet to celebrate his 100. And I was like, my God, he's an Adonis. Um, I think that he's back. He's, he's, not, back he's, not, our, he's not Adonis. He's the Donis, as Sid Waddell famously said. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He's the Donis. He, um, and now he's got a batting average of over 45 this summer. Okay. An unbeaten 100 makes that, uh, makes that sound a lot better than it is. But uh, it's kind of the biggest compliment you could probably pay to Ben folks that we haven't really talked about him that much. This is a bloke who's potentially keeping out Josh Butler, uh, potentially keeping the gloves off of Johnny Bairstow. It's a guy that is, you know, had to really fight and wait for his chance to get into the England team. Um, and I don't know, I just really enjoy seeing him behind the stumps and scoring runs for England as well. What do you make? What have you made of him, Daniel Norcross is a Surrey chap. Well, I've seen a lot of him and, his glove work is excellent. He, he conceded eight buys. I was on buy watch, and uh, one of them was virtually impossible to stop. It was, it was a really horrible one that bounced in front of him. One of them he went down the leg side from the spinner. He might have done a bit better. He was otherwise impeccable. So you're looking out for tiny things that Ben Folks hasn't done right. Because when it does happen, it's a massive surprise when he's got the gloves. Um, and then with the bat, what I thought was really uh, good for him was that he came in with the, uh, the 36th over. So the ball was still doing a bit, but he started quite busily, quite a, quicker than Stokes, actually. He was on 13 or 14 balls, but he wasn't taking risks. While he, 
And he recognised the situation, um, realised that in the next 10 overs, if they could make it to 50 overs, then they this was an opportunity to another 30 overs and it to be a piece of piss because of all the reasons we talked about with the ball and whatnot. But then when he came out the other end, changed gears a bit, played second fiddle to Stokes. When Stokes was going mad, he didn't go mad. He just kept on going at a slightly lower pace. And then he faced the second new ball and it was fiery. I mean, Norkia and Rabada and, and Gini were pretty fiery with it. It was mostly Norkia and Rabada with that new ball. And he survived it. And quest- there had been question marks throughout the season on, you know, when the, when he's up against really quick bowling, has he got the game because he's played so much um, counter cricket and because his successes with the bat come on the subcontinent. This is his first home series. Don't forget, for all sorts of reasons. COVID and, you know, hamstring, the, the mad thing with his foot in the changing room at Surrey. I mean, he's had unbelievably bad luck. And so for him to face out that spell with a second new ball, I thought was really good for him in future as well, because he's got, he'll now have that muscle memory. I thought it was a really clever innings, actually. And uh, But I'm used to seeing him playing clever innings. He does tend to play at his pace and for him, which is what I want him to do. We all want him to do at batting at seven. So, yeah, delighted. And obviously interviewing him, is uh, an absolute nightmare because uh, I am gazing into the face of uh, beautiful aesthetic perfection out of the eyes of this desiccated, steptoe-like, you know, gummy old wanker. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, that's an existential problem that I have to deal with in my own time. (laughs) No, I agree with everything you say and... uh... It's, it's true. It's Thank you. Like, you could yeah. have come in and been... See, again, this is what we mean, Toby. See, when I said things like that to Philly in Manchester, he said, mate, mate, you're, you're, no, you're no more unpleasant. You're no more unpleasant than most 53-year-olds I've seen. And, and I appreciated that. That was like the nice thing mm. to say. He said, he said, you said, I agree with everything you say. You are yeah. a gummy old wanker. No, do you, know, it, do you know, when you shine a light on it and I hear it out loud, I do see why people find me so repugnant actually and uh I'll, I'll try and work on it in the coming days actually but no thank you for highlighting it because i think for too long people have mollycoddled me and allowed me to become the monster that i am today so thank you actually for, for pulling me up on that uh finney i want to talk about uh ben folks the wicket keeper as as a fast bowler how reassuring is it to know that you've got an unbelievable wicket keeper behind the stumps and also who's the best wicket keeper you've played with or against I yeah, it does make a big difference knowing that everything's going to be gobbled up behind there. Um, it can be frustrating if your wicketkeeper spills important chances or isn't reliable back there. Um, oh god, all those monologues—they're making me yawn. Um, I um, sorry, I didn't mean that, Dan. Um, <laughs> That's like something um, I, I would say. No, well, look, I understand. <laughs> look, I take it. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good note, you know. And we all we all need to help each other out in that regard. So yeah, thanks, Finn. No, I, they were beautiful and I enjoyed listening to it. Um, I, I I think it's hugely important. And actually, the wicket this week, and Dan was there, obviously, with me, um, it wasn't an easy wicket to keep wicket on. You maybe don't see that sometimes on the TV screen, but the ball was skidding through low and then the odd one would explode and go through it chest high to him, standing up to the spinner. It wasn't consistent spin. Uh, and I thought he, was, he did really, really well. He mopped a lot up that a lot of other keepers would have been stood there crying about it um, and he just does it and looks like he loves doing it and it's something that I enjoy my wicket keepers getting down and dirty and he's very much up for that 
And what about the second question? The best wicketkeeper you've played with or against? Is anyone that you've seen over the years who you thought was unbelievably good? Can I have a can I have a go at this before he before he answers? I wonder if he's going to nominate either Simo, John Simpson, or Chris Nash. I wonder. I'll wait and see. Who's Chris Nash? Oh, not Chris Nash. Who's the other one? You know, your one. David you know, Nash. David Nash. David. Yes. Chris Nash is the one who's always tweeting. God, I'm getting yes. sick. Chris Nash is Sussex Chris Nash. Yes, da- yes, yes, yes. Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> no, so I, Simo, John Simpson's probably the best ha- wicketkeeper hands-wise that I ever played with. Um, and a guy called Ben Scott, actually, who played for Middlesex mm. and then moved to Worcester. He was outstanding. I remember my first ever TV game. I was bowling quite quick, 89 miles an hour, and he just came and stood up to the stumps and was catching everything at the back end of the innings. I don't know whether the speed gun was fucked or whether um, he was actually just a really good wicketkeeper. But, he, yeah, he used to love getting up to the stumps and um, and taking the fast bowlers, which, yeah, which I hadn't experienced much in my youth. Everyone just stood miles back. Is that a little bit galling? Are you a little bit embarrassed in your first ever time on TV the wicketkeepers come and stood up to you? I mean, yeah, maybe slightly. It's not ideal, is it? Seeing the wicketkeeper up to the stumps when you're meant to be a fast bowler. Um, I imagine the wicketkeeper stands up to you in club cricket on a weekend, um, yeah. even on yeah, even on absolute shitty. Um, I'd imagine he stands up to you. So uh, it can be a bit demoralising, but it's never you're happened You're doing it again, again Finny, 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 Finny. You're doing it again. Yeah, you're, I, oh, he's, I've sunk to his level again, now. We're half really. an hour in and I'm just, I've given up. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, he's Dan. in the second team. He's in the second team, Finney. We talked about this. Is he's he? Not he got dropped. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a, vol- a voluntary oh. dropping. A voluntary dropping. Oh, I'll tell you God, what. Though, they've been out that bad. It's fun though. Eleven wickets at eight in three matches. God, I'm a. I'm a you still don't get picked for the first team. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I found my. I found my level. This is it. This is this is me from now. Do you know the most upsetting thing though? Still batting eleven in the twos. <laughs> Good lord. That's the most heartbreaking bit. Um, what, who were your free? Who were your wicketkeepers, Finney? So your England career. So your first wicketkeeper when you get into the team, Prior, and then so Prior. You would have also had a bit of I'm trying to think. I sort of Butler, Butler. Any sort of niche ones in there? Any sort of like Tim Ambrose characters? Did you ever cross over? No, them? no, I'm not that old. No. Um, Bearstow as well. Um, who else was there? No, there was no one else really. Now Matt Pryor was always unbelievably good standing back to the quicks I felt he wasn't he wasn't best with the spinners but he, it wasn't his record he didn't drop a catcher about three years back to the quicks or something stupid yeah. at one well he worked hard on it and I think the thing that surprises people um, is the scrutiny that is on a wicket keeper as soon as you drop one chance behind the stumps uh, your life becomes very hard and, and people highlight that and you have to do a lot of work at it Matt Pry was meticulous in the way that he went about preparing for games and preparing to Take um, take catches because he knew how important it was to set the standard in the field, and that's one thing that he always loved doing was setting the standard and making everyone else live up to those standards as well. Um, but Ben Folks is a natural wicket keeper. John Simpson is as well. He's a natural wicket keeper. He's been been doing it his entire life um, and done it very very well. But yeah, there's a, there's a difference between your natural wicket keepers and then the guys who have to work really really hard on it. Yeah, uh, well, Ben Folks has been a joy to watch since he's pulled on an England shirt with the gloves behind the studs. Um, Daniel, what are your plans this week? And can you please remember to pack some pants, whatever you're doing? 
Well, yes, I've got to pack one pair of pants. Um, I've got a hundred match at Lords. No pants required for that, except on the day. Although it's getting to that point of the year when it's a little bit colder. You'd never go commando in linen if anyone's questioning or or wondering. You would never do that. But I think a thick jean. So that's probably later in September. Um, then Friday and Saturday, I have got the Eliminator and the Hundred Finals Day which I'm thoroughly looking forward to doing. Uh, but before that is probably the event that will cause, well, it'll provide us with um, filler during rain and long, slow partnerships after the 40th over, which is Charles Dagnall and Henry Moran are going to be playing at the 100 Club um, in aid of a teenage cancer charity. And they will be covered in spandex and it'll be utterly ridiculous. And I'll be going to that. Uh, Finney, are you going? Uh, I, no, I've got a very busy week, actually. Oh, no. Hmm. What, what are you I, doing, Finney, that's so important, mate? Hmm. What's more um, important than teenage cancer charities, Finney? Um, I'm going to see oh, a knee no. surgeon on, oh, on no. Thursday. I'm going to Newcastle on Wednesday. I'm seeing a knee surgeon in London on Thursday. I'm going to Canterbury on Friday, and then I'm at Lord's on Saturday. Fair enough. Oh, good. Are you gonna, you'll be at the 100, will you? You'll be at the 100 final. I'll be at the 100 final, yes. I'll see you there, Finney. I hope we can be reunited because I think that would just be so lovely. And um, and we'll both obviously be able to get the the best out of each other, which because that's what we do. Mm. Sorry, Tobes, you still there? No, well, I, I can't make it on Saturday because I've got a friend's wedding, but it would have been really nice to hang out with you both and um, and try and work on my personality. But I'll just have to go away and I'll just have to go away and work at it in my own time, I guess. So, um, have a good week, guys. And yeah. Nice to see you both. Yeah. Work hard. Actually, no, it was, it was lovely to see you too, actually, Tobes. And um, really, let's we'll have a chat offline. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Uh, right, before we go, is there anything else anyone else needs to discuss or get off their chest at all? Yeah, aside from your defunct personality um, and the, the problems that that's caused you on this podcast over the last 18 months or so, oh. it might be worth talking about the fantasy league that we've got and no. uh, the Premier League fantasy. No. Yeah. No one wants to talk about that. No, I'm, I'm up for that. I'm up for that because basically mm. I, I've never done this before, so I'm finding it really, really fun. So I've mm. basically picked players. I like Jesus. I thought he's surely that's going to work for me. I don't really keep up with the players particularly. I've tried some funky formations and I think what happened this week is I got a bit screwed and Finney was very helpfully pointed out to me, said I made, I didn't make Holland captain, I made Jesus captain. And I, because I'm not really into the kind of tactics of it, fantasy football, I just thought if Jesus is in your team, he's kind of got to be captain really. But um, Finney's got a point. And, uh, and this is and a man that's beaten you at fantasy football, Tobe. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we got the same amount of points this week. It's unbelievable. Well, I captained Mo Salah and he didn't get a single goal or assist in a 9-0 rout of Bournemouth. So well, I told you, Salah's finished. Well, look, yeah, out of 145, 148 people in our league and uh, Stephen Finn after... I have to say, Finney, annoyingly, that's a very good week. 109. It's got to be up there. It's got to be up there is... in the whole country. Without uh, any Dan boosts. Daniel Norcross. Yeah, Toby, 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 Toby. Can I just say very quickly, right? A very, a, a very easy fix for your personality problem mm. is there. Instead of saying, "Can I just say really annoyingly that you mm. got a you know, really a great score?" If you had said, 
And I've got to say that Finney, you've done really well this week. You got hundred. Okay, let me try points. that. Let me try that. Okay, let me. Yeah. This is, just this see is how good. it comes this out is, your mouth. See this is good. This is this is this could be good for my growth. Um, Finney, you did really well in fantasy football this week. You lanky prick. Sorry, sorry. Old <laughs> habits. Old habits. Old habits. But I'm getting there. That was good until the end. That was good. That was that nearly there, ginger pubes. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> Anyway, uh, zero ducks given. We've got a league. Uh, and congratulations to uh, Samuel Hunt, who is currently top of the league. Um, and annoyingly, my mate Dan from my cricket club is currently second in our zero ducks given league out of 148 people as well. Uh, but it is a marathon. You get by everyone you know, don't you? Oh, no, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> anyway, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, I, I fully expect for you to be uh, way, way down the table uh, when I'm crowned the champion in May. So, um, like Liverpool, I've had a slow start, but come come May, we'll be lifting silverware above our heads. Let's, let's fucking see. Bring it on. Bring it fucking on. Good to see you both. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> well. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.